Today in Canadian History for March 24th, I'm Mark Affeld. On this day back in 1837, African-Canadian males received the right to vote. Although importing slaves had been abolished in Upper Canada since 1793, and slavery had been officially abolished in Lower Canada in 1803, slavery was still allowed in parts of Canada all the way until August 1, 1834, when the British Parliament passed the Slavery Abolition Act, which abolished slavery in all parts of the British Empire. To learn more about the study of Black Canadian history, I spoke with Rosemary Sadler, the president of the Ontario Black History Society. Among many other achievements, the Ontario Black History Society was instrumental in petitioning the City of Toronto, and officially all of Canada, to adopt February as Canada's Black History Month. Rosemary, I know that you've written black history books targeted at Canadian children. Um, is there a concern that maybe due to things like the Underground Railroad, that new generations of Canadians might see our country as a sort of bastion of hope, or a more or less a struggle-free country, at least when it comes to black history? I mean, is that a concern for young Canadians? Well, it's not a concern because they don't know it's a concern. I think you, you've, you've hit something uh, that I think is probably might be a surprise to some of your listeners. Um, I might be in this volunteer position, but it doesn't mean that I've always known these things. I, I, these are things that I came to know. And uh, in my case, came to know outside of, of, of school. I really had worked on the idea, for example, as you point out, the Underground Railroad gives a sense that Canada was this wonderful place of freedom and hope. And truly, it was. But it, when you go back a little bit further, when you go back before August the 1st, 1834, um, the British were also involved in the slave trade, and slavery absolutely existed in this country. And while um, and while uh, Indigenous peoples were the first to be enslaved, it was Africans who were brought in um, from the earliest times to um, fill in that free labor void and to help develop this country, um, as were. Um, People brought in with who had no skills, and people who brought in because, significantly because they had skills and uh, expertise in in working with Europeans. So um, that was something that was missing from my own education for a very long time. Um, there was the first recorded slave in this country arrived here in in 1628, but there were black people, there were African peoples in this country prior to that who were free. So I think it, it challenges, you know, what is Canada in terms of how we're often um, uh, allowed to, to perceive it. And also, I think it challenges when did multiculturalism really begin? Um, it's if, if we have had, um, for example, the indigenous peoples were here forever, and they often get left out of the discussion. But knowing that they were here and building upon their presence um, with the Europeans and the Africans, right away, that's multiculturalism. That's not biculturalism. <laughs> and it's multiculturalism also when you think it's more than one, one group in Europe. But anyway, that's another discussion. <laughs> Working with the Ontario Black History Society, is it difficult to keep Canadian black history distinct from American black history? 
at least in the eyes of the public? Well, you know, we, we're all connected. So, I mean, that's one aspect. And there are black people in the diaspora that we all should know about, of course. Um, and the American um, contribution is significant and well-known. But I think the if, where it becomes an issue is where it somehow leads people to conclude that black history begins and ends with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X as if there were no actors, contributors, um, persons being acted upon of African origin in this country. And for me, um, we, we have as much going on from an earlier point in time uh, as the Americans did. We always, as Canadians, are um, in a bit of a different situation in terms of you know, our population and so on and, and the percentages. But there have been people of African origin in this country doing things for a long time. And um, where we can look at Martin Luther King, maybe there there is a Canadian counterpart to him. Um, we could look at um, where there is a Malcolm X, there is a Canadian counterpart. Or, frankly, someone who was doing something of that caliber prior to those particular people. Um, so we, we have had segregation, so there are people connected to anti-segregation activities. We have had uh, slavery, slavery, so we have had abolitionists. We have had, uh, unfortunately, um, ongoing um, acts of, of, of racism directed at the African-Canadian community. And there have been people who have also fought against those, those particular influences. There are people who have been in high-level positions in Canada, not just even in Toronto. I mean, I think that you know, we have to remember that uh, James Douglas wasn't in Toronto. <laughs> John Ware was not in Toronto. Um, there are people across the country um, at different points in time. And I think it's important for us to hold up those people and, and to hold up people who may well have been in Nova Scotia because they may, uh, for example, if you're not in Nova Scotia, because um, we, we, I think we should privilege what our own um, history makers have done, as well as, of course, be aware of what's going on in the world. Today is a day full of Canadian history. Geneticist, environmentalist, and media personality David Suzuki was born on this day back in 1935. A bill which officially declared the beaver Canada's official emblem was given royal assent on this day back in 1975. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher, and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash today in Canadian history. And once again, it's Canadian quiz time. I like this one. Why do beavers build dams? I mean, they seem to be walking around chewing down trees left and right. What's their end game? Well, the main reason that beavers build dams 
is that damming the water around their lodges increases the depth of the water and prevents it from freezing at lower depths. This means they can swim in and out of the lodge throughout the year. 